but there are a lot of people who will fluctuate in and out of these restrictive diets and that just creates like a very unhealthy relationship with food it's not good psychologically it's not good physically you know what i mean there's not there's not a lot good about that welcome to the quest i'm your host nick horiatis co-hosted with my best friend cole jameson we're both lifelong athletes fitness enthusiasts and knowledge seekers each week we're going to try and bring you the tools and skills necessary to help you embark on and win this journey of life without further ado let's get after it Bethany Frankel once said, Your diet is a bank account. Good food choices are good investments. Welcome back everyone to another episode of The Quest. If this is your first time joining, welcome to the community. We are so glad to have you and cannot wait to hear what you think of the show. The Quest is where young adults discover the skills needed to achieve their version of success. This week's guest is registered dietitian Andy DeSantis. Andy got his registered dietitian accreditation from the University of Toronto Dalla Lana School of Public Health, where he also obtained his master's in public health nutrition. Whether he's using science-backed recommendations to help guide his clients, blogging about the value of kale, or posting informative graphics on social media, Andy constantly helps others establish healthy eating habits. Andy has also published 10 different books on nutrition and dietetics, And if you want to learn more about Andy, visit the link in the podcast description. If you find this episode helpful, share it with a friend, talk about some of your favorite parts, and share the benefit that you get from it. If you've been enjoying the quest, or if this is your first time joining, make sure you subscribe and follow our show to get the latest updates and any episode notifications. You can follow our show on Instagram at thequestpodcast to stay up to date with everything we're doing here at The Quest, and you can find that link in the podcast description. Throughout this episode, we dive into the mixed messaging around nutrition, fad diets, and what you should know before trying one. We talk about the keto diet and what to keep in mind if you are doing it, why diets don't last, and how you can begin living a long-term healthy lifestyle, three things to keep in mind before starting a diet, how to talk with friends and family about creating healthy eating habits. Guys, that part was so impactful. And five foods you should have every single day. Before we get into the podcast, we wanted to talk to you guys about Evolution Nutrition. Their goal is to be your most trusted nutrition partner and help you achieve your fitness goals. From pre- to post-workout supplements, to protein powders and daily vitamins, EVL has everything you need to get after it. Go to their website, evlnutrition.com, and use code QUESTEVL20. That's Quest, Q-U-E-S-T, EVL20 for an additional 20% off your order. Better yet, you can combine this discount with other discounts EVL offers. Get closer than ever to your fitness goals with EVL Nutrition, and as always, get after it. Guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this episode, so let's get into it. So, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have someone like you on our show. Your background in nutrition and dietetics is extensive, and it's so cool to see all the different things that you're constantly putting out on social media, whether it's just simple things like, oh, have this many servings of fruits and vegetables a day, to more complex things like making sure your testosterone levels are high if you're a male and you're aging and like don't have these types of foods. So it's really cool to see the different levels you're able to kind of cater towards with all this information surrounding nutrition. And nutrition is one of those topics that the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. And it's really cool in that aspect too. And at the same time, it, it can also be boiled down to a lot of simple rules. So before we get too deep into the actual 
nitty gritty details of nutrition and a lot of the things that associate with it. Could you give us a little background about yourself, how you got into dietetics and being a registered dietitian? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to, you know, chatting about all this, you know, different stuff that I'm into and definitely, yeah, diverse interests. And yeah, for me, you know, how I got into it, it's, it's pretty cliche. So, you know, back when I, when I was younger, I was a teenager, you know, I, I wasn't really into, into this type of nutrition stuff. And, you know, I, I had a couple of health issues, couple, you know, dealing with stuff I probably didn't need to. And then like, I slowly started getting into nutrition. I started to realize, okay, you know, this has potential to actually like greatly improve my, uh, my quality of life. And then the only issue was then I kind of had to self-teach myself. So this was even before I started studying nutrition. I kind of went on this like long path of figuring out what it meant to eat well. And it took a long time and it wasn't so it wasn't particularly easy. And I realized that, you know, I wouldn't mind filling that role for people going forward because I knew the outcome was very, very positive. It was really, really positive to interact well with food. But I also knew that to arrive at that understanding, especially when there's so much mixed messaging and, and by default, like none of us have great nutrition, nutrition knowledge by default, right? Even if we might think we do. So I knew that there was a role to be filled. And, and just given how much my life improved doing it, it's kind of like it was, it was always going to be what I was going to do, you know? So in the end, it was what I, it was what I did, you know, went to school, got a master's degree, trained as a dietitian, got my first job working for Diabetes Canada. And then I went out and did my own thing. And here we are 10 books later and all that fun stuff. That's awesome. awesome. And one of the really cool things about that entire journey is that you started off with almost like this experimentation with just yourself, which I think is a really cool way that a lot of people can become really interested in this stuff. Because like you said, a lot of our habits around nutrition and just like food in general in today's society is pretty bad. Like the fact that fast food is so easily available and there's chips and pizza and all these different <laughs> cookies all around every time that you like turn the corner, basically. It's really hard to resist those things. And if you don't necessarily have the education or the background to know why you shouldn't eat them, because they taste so good, it's kind of like, why am I not eating these? It's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's, 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 it's also, there's also a lot of messaging, you know, around, you know, around nutrition. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot, right? Because yes, there's, there is the uh, availability, like you said, of all of this stuff, but there's also like understanding that, you know, the role that these types of foods can play in the context of, of you know, eat, you know, eating, in a, you know, in a balanced way elsewhere. And then like a lot of, you know, black and white thinking where it has to be one way or another. And so, yeah, it is extremely, it's extremely, extremely complicated, you know, especially for someone who doesn't have any sort of background. Like, you know, if you come from like an athletic background, there's pros and cons from that, right? Pros are you're more likely to be around people into this stuff. The cons are you could be exposed to like kind of damaging messaging that like you shouldn't eat this or you shouldn't eat that because you got to be a certain weight or, you know, and that also can be damaging too, right? So it's like, it's never straightforward. Um, everyone has their own unique, uh, you know, their own unique kind of battles when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So in general, a lot of people are either misinformed or don't know where to look for information regarding nutrition. And I think your Instagram page is a great place to start if people have no experience with this kind of stuff, because you're able to boil it down to simple, applicable advice while also giving a little bit of the science behind it. But if someone were to, besides looking at your Instagram page, where do you think people could get more information regarding nutrition and kind of healthier habits? Yeah, I mean, my my best recommendation, honestly, is to, is to ideally you, you you find some dietitian. Like these days with social media, it's easy. Find some dietitian, whether in your in your you know, personal, personal life or surrounding area that releases content, or if it's on Instagram, or if it's their blog, like, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of writing. And the reason why, why it's important to choose a dietitian is because like, that's the only career where you have both like the education 
and the sole focus on nutrition. Okay. Doctors, for example, have extensive education and training and, but a lot of doctors that release nutrition information, I can't say all of them, but it's more sensationalized because it's more part of like business or brand or like a bigger brand. And not always because it's like the best, most sound advice that takes into consideration people's peace of mind. It's more like polarizing usually, right? If you, if, if it's more like, oh, this is really bad. This like sugar is toxic or, or stuff like that. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like more extreme messaging. You won't find a dietitian realistically saying stuff like that. Like we're more, much more likely to make balanced statements. You know what I mean? And also keeping in mind the humane side of things, because it's one thing you can say sugar is toxic. And I think it's fair, like, look, candy and stuff. is not like a nourishing food. It brings joy to people in different ways. That's fine. But what there's a lot of unintended consequences for those types of statements that could actually cause a lot of people, a lot of harm, even though it seems like a relatively reasonable statement for you and I to, you know, on the, on paper, but that can cause someone a lot of harm in terms of how they think about food. And there's a lot of downstream effects of stuff like that. Right. So all that to say, I would recommend a dietitian because we only do this. This is our main passion. We, we genuinely have your interests in mind. There's not really ulterior motives here. You know what I mean? This is just what we do all the time. And we have the training too. So we haven't just decided one day that we like nutrition and we're going to start talking to you about it. You know what I mean? We have like the work and the ability to understand information on a scientific level to translate it, you know, which is what I do, you know, in my own way on social. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. And one thing that you mentioned was this idea of people giving extreme messaging like, this diet is terrible for you, you should do X, Y, Z. Or you should never eat this kind of food because this is going to happen and your legs are going to fall off. All these crazy things, right? And so with social media, there's a lot of popularity around different diets like vegan or carnivorism or vegetarianism. And all those diets like you were talking about, there is good advice in each of those. And there's diets that work for every single person. And I think that's really important to highlight because we all are very individual and like our biochemistry and how food just works with us. Like people have different autoimmune diseases and so they can't have certain types of food. And so you have to work around that stuff. And a lot of times it can become this crazy dogma associated with these fad diets. Let's just call them that for now. And so what's your opinion on those types of diets? I know you talked about a registered dietitian would give you a really balanced approach, but other than the fact that you have this really strong dogma attached to these diets, what are some of the things that people should look out for when trying these things? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends. I think you know, one's motivation is important. And so it's kind of, it's a big question. So, I mean, if we, let's break it down. Okay. So let's start with the following, you know, let, let's look at the keto diet versus like veganism. Right. And I really, like, I mean, yeah, you can call it a vegan diet. I wouldn't necessarily, although some people look at it, unfortunately, there are people who will look at a vegan diet as like, it is like a diet and they may employ it with not the best, you know, intentions in mind, perhaps, unfortunately. But the reality is like, if you take someone who's doing the keto diet, the overwhelming likelihood is that they're doing it for Maybe it's like for some pseudoscientific reason or because they've been sold the idea that it's the best thing to do. You know what I mean? They're not likely doing it. Uh, whereas, a, and let me compare it to a vegan diet. Look, I respect people who might pursue one or the other for their personal reasons, right? So let's be clear about that. But a vegan diet, it's much more, much more likely, realistically, someone's going to pursue that with some at least concern about ethics or environment or economics or something like that. You know what I mean? Whereas like, it's not really the case for keto. So like there's, there's distinguishing factors. That's not to say someone who does veganism is good and someone who does keto is bad, but there's different motivators behind it. With the keto diet, there could be like, for some people more, maybe more sinister motivations a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, and also because like, it's true, like on the, on the broader level, if you think about to play devil's advocate, right. You could say that they both exclude a bunch of foods, right. But like the reasoning is very different for, for, for the most part, you see what I mean? So like, it's very like layered, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very complicated. And that's just, that's just two, for example, 
by default, any like diet that tells you, you can't have most of the foods available, you know, again, excluding veganism, because again, there's like environmental and ethical reasons people tend to do that. Anything that tells you to exclude a lot of foods, like, you know, you gotta be a little bit careful. You know what I mean? Um, and then we, we could talk all day about my views on the keto diet and, and, you know, and I, and I certainly respect like if people have found happiness with that, I, I always respect that. And if someone wanted help to do it in the healthiest way possible, I would, I would help them, but I don't advocate for it. You know what I mean? Because just speaking specifically about this one diet, because it is very, very restrictive. And a lot of people have like negative feelings about carbohydrates and stuff. And anyway, it's like, you know, if you guys want, we can talk about, talk about this more, but it's a very, you see, it's a very complicated subject matter. Yeah. I would love to dive more into that. What are some of like the things that people should keep in mind if they were to try keto diet? Yeah. I mean, okay. So, so let's just, yeah, let's pretend like, you know, someone wanted to talk to me and they're like, Andy, doesn't matter. I'm doing the keto diet. Doesn't really, doesn't matter. Right. That's it. So let's just assume that there's no room for, for negotiation. Well, okay. So first of all, the keto diet's like an umbrella term, right? Because I could eat sausages and, and, and whipped cream, you know, and cheese sticks. And I could do the, that's the keto diet. Right. But I could also eat kale and avocado and salmon. Right. And that's also the keto diet. So, I mean, first of all, it, 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 there's very different, like, and not, and most people are in between, obviously. Right. That's fine. Um, so I think you have to be aware of that and not, not get too caught up in the idea that just because you're putting your body in this different state, that it's like, so it's a party now, like, you know, you don't need these nutrients because it's all good because you're in ketosis, like ketosis gets oversold, right? I don't think we have enough evidence to say that because this is the, you know, this, this is my general stance, right? The bargain you're making is this. So in, among like foods that have carbohydrates, like let's say sweet potato, oatmeal, quinoa, lentils, chickpeas, berries, apples, like these are foods I think most people, I mean, not everyone I understand, but most people would agree these are like healthy foods, okay? So you, you're then omitting these foods with the, and you're bargaining, you're betting, you're putting your, your cards down, your chips down, saying that I'm going to omit those foods, but the fact I'm going to be in ketosis is going to give me more long-term benefits than those foods would. And there's no, and we just, it's really tough. That's a tough sell. You know what I mean? So that's one thing to keep in mind. And then once you're already going to do it, well, so, I mean, among foods you can eat on the keto diet that are super, super useful, nuts, seeds, avocado, obviously all different types of vegetables, you know what I mean? Fish, like you definitely want those kinds of foods to be emphasized and not to use it, let's say, as an excuse to eat red meat all the time, right? And again, like I work with all sorts of people. I'm not anti any sort of like people eat chicken, beef, like it's all good. Like I'm not, I don't promote one way or the other. It's fine. You know, it's, 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 it's about the individual, but yeah, I think that pretty much summarizes my, my stance on it. Do you think that diets in general are not necessarily a bad thing, but at least in my experience, most of the people that I know and have talked to will go on a diet for you know, however many weeks or months and hope that it just has this magical impact on their physique or their health. And then they think that after X amount of weeks or months that they can just stop and go back to eating normal. They almost pursue it as just like this short-term fix as opposed to coming up with a lifestyle change and a nutrition change that can be, you know, continued throughout their life to make a much longer lasting difference. And you know, I think that that probably goes for, for most of the diets. But what, what are your thoughts on those short-term diets that people kind of dive into and are sold into? What are some, some tips or advice that you could give to those people to choose a more longer-lasting, life-changing nutrition plan? Yeah, well, well, issues like that are, you know, part of the reason why I want to do this job, right? It's because it's very easy to get, you know, caught up, caught up in that kind of stuff. And it's tough. Like, I mean, 
look, there are going to be people who can do stuff like that and, and it has no real effect on them in the long term because psychologically they, they know what's up. But there are a lot of people who will fluctuate in and out of these restrictive diets and that just creates like a very unhealthy relationship with food. It's not good psychologically. It's not good physically. You know what I mean? There's not, there's not a lot good about that. Now it depends because the word, you know, diet to say I'm doing a diet, quote unquote, I mean, because you can go to a dietitian, get some advice, follow up a couple of times and change how you eat over a period of six or seven weeks. Or you could just say, I'm going to have 10 grams of carbs for six or seven weeks. And like, those are totally different things. Right. But, but I mean, both, you know, the individual doing that could think that they're doing the best thing ever. It's just because like, and the one thing I, I've come to learn and I have to check myself on this, like I enjoy, like if you you know, if you guys see my blogs, my Instagram, like I like to write like about scientific topics at a certain level. And sometimes if I write articles at like a lower level, I think like, oh, you know, like I just wrote an article on daylight savings time basics, like help you adapt. Right. And like, sometimes like, do I even want to release this? It's kind of basic, but then it's so easy to take it for granted. The fact that like the average person really like their knowledge base is not like requiring super scientific inquiry and they just need the basics. Right. It's very easy to take that for granted. And so when you take that, you know, quote unquote average person, and then they're being shown these flashy messages about diets, it's very tough for them to, to make good decisions. And, and that's, again, that's similar to what I went through in, in my own way when I was younger. And that is the role that I would want to fulfill for people because, you know, the number one reason, like in my, in my experience that people see a dietitian as at least partially to what I call quiet, all the nutrition noise around them, you know, your, your, your mom, your uncle, your best friends doing this diet, you know, and that has a severely negative effect on people. And I see it all the time. That's, that's my uh, kind of long-winded answer to that. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, people that, like you said, have a, have a very small base or no base at all when it comes to nutrition, will see something on Instagram or, you know, whatever ad your phone throws at you. And it's like, try this diet and you'll lose 30 pounds in 30 days. And they're like, oh, that sounds fantastic. And then I love the word that you used. You said people fluctuate like between this kind of in a diet, out of a diet. And, and, and that's exactly what happens is they get in this diet and it may work, you know, they may lose however many pounds, but then they stop eating like that. Cause it's not, you can't sustain that kind of eating, you know, restricted diet, and then they gain it all back or more. And then they just keep going back and forth and back and forth. And there's no way that that is, that's good for your body or your health. Yeah. It's not good physically. It's not good mentally. And I mean, yes, yeah, and that's not good spiritually. It's not good for anything emotionally, whatever kind of health you want to talk about. It's just it's not, it's not good. You know what I mean? And it's a big problem. And I'll be honest with you guys. Like when I first started, I probably underestimated how big of a problem it was. Okay, the more people I talk to, the more I can't help but realize that, yeah, okay, this is this is a really significant issue. And, you know, you know, like I, I like to make jokes and I, I might make jokes about people's mess. I might make a joke about like, I don't know, like Dr. Oz or Gwyneth Paltrow. They were, but like the reality is like, you know, you, you see on Instagram, on social media, you see success stories, people who have done something like that, who've done well. And like, that's awesome for them, right? I'm not, I don't say that none of this stuff doesn't contribute positively to anyone, but but what you don't see is for all the people which is like messing with them, you know what I mean? Who just who can't, who doesn't doesn't help, you know those, you know, and that's a large amount of people because it's just that's just the reality of it, right? You know the cliche, you know, most diets, you know, fail, right? For for the reasons that we've already been discussing. Yeah, exactly. What advice would you give someone who's starting one of these diets, and if it is really working for them, advice to make sure that they keep on track with those diets, or just like three things to keep in mind when starting diets in general? Yeah. So first and foremost, like I, I'm always very careful, right? So, you know, I, I talk about keto in a certain way, but like I said, I, I'm, I'm very happy for someone if, 
you know, if they've been able to pull it off in a healthy way and like, and they improve their quality of life, you know what I mean? Like, cause there, there are, look, inevitably there are people who, who fall into these different paradigms. I'm not saying it's, the, it's definitely not the majority, right? Like that's also important to say, but there are people who do find happiness and, and some, some, whatever success means to them. So, you know, and, and that's fine. I respect that. Um, I would, it's, it's tough because there's so many different ones. I would say like, you know, for check in with your, you know, like mentally, like, is this something you actually enjoy doing? Are you bending over backwards, sacrificing, like obviously like sacrifice is part of, of life way right? in different forms. That's fine. But are you sacrificing relationships up career related things to like pull off some like diet? Like that should be a red flag. Okay. You know what I mean? Do you feel your best physically or is it just like some indicator, like in terms of like losing weight is like, or losing weight is the indicator, but you feel like crap, but because you're losing weight, you keep pushing yourself. Like that would be a, like a massive red flag. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if all your friends and family are concerned about what you're doing, that would probably be a red flag as well. Now that, that there's a caveat to that because, you know, unsolicited comments by friends and family can be problematic so that there's a, and this is why people need a dietitian, right? Cause it's like a very robust conversation. Like I try and give you like the, the, the sparks notes, but there's so many different caveats because the reality is everyone, everyone's different. You know, there's a similar set of issues people face, but like how they, how they have faced them or, or their life up to that point kind of colors how, how they respond and, and how they think. So yeah, I mean, the third one is I would talk to a professional and just make sure it's as good as you think it is. You know what I mean? Um, like dietitians like are relatively affordable, okay, relatively accessible and relatively affordable. And you, you know, you don't need to spend a lot of money just to have just to check in with someone to make sure that what you're doing is not compromising your health in the long term. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what I would say. If I had to pick three, I think that was three. So I'm curious. So you'd brought up the point of maybe your friends or family start to notice these different changes and they start to make comments about it. So let's say someone is, they come home for Christmas break and they've just started this new diet. That's let's not say it's like keto or vegan or whatever. They're just starting to eat healthier in their background and their family. They used to just like eat out all the time. They would order pizza every night when they were together. And it was like a family communal bonding thing. And so now when this person comes back home, they're starting to get these like sly comments from their parents or maybe their siblings. And it's, they are eating healthy and this is kind of the direction they should be going. So how can someone in that position kind of either use their experiences or possibly give some advice to their family to hopefully change their trajectory into a healthier direction? Yeah. I mean, okay. So it's it's actually funny you asked this question because the first ever blog I wrote was how to influence your, your loved ones to eat healthier. And it was based on like some, some theory about change. So like there's, so, so there's, there's, there's a few layers to the question. I think first, first of all, if someone is making a change, okay. You know, having the support of your loved ones is helpful. Okay. That, I mean, it's not rocket science when I say that it makes sense right now. Now they, your, your, your loved ones may not fully understand what you're going, what you're going through. So what, what I recommend someone to do, if they are trying to go through this process is to actually be very honest and open and say, you know, listen, guys, I'm, I'm pursuing this path. You know, your support is going to be really helpful for me on this path. Now, I don't mean to say that as an excuse to get out of eating, like, you know, because again, it's complicated. I'm not, I'm not saying you use that as an excuse out of eating pizza with your family. Ideally, you should be able to eat the pizza in a perfect world, right? But people, we all need a lot of work on things. Some people need a lot of work on how they think about food, but in a perfect world, you should be able to eat that pizza, enjoy it, unless you truly don't want it. And then you shouldn't really have to do anything you really don't want to do. But there's a, there's, there's a lot of gray area there. Okay. Don't get me wrong. So it's not that straightforward, but it's, I think it's important to verbalize what your goals are with your loved ones. And if they actually do love you, they'll, you know, they're going to support you. And if they don't, that's a good way to find out who's actually like, on your side. Like if someone doesn't really support what you feel you're doing is what's best for yourself, 
you know, but again, it could be complicated. You could think it's what's best for you, but really it's kind of convoluted and like tied up in some other stuff. Right. So it's, it's like not always straightforward. So there's that side of it. And honestly, like look, humans learn by example. So first and foremost, if you want to encourage people around you to, 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 you know, change your behavior, you, you can demonstrate the behavior that you're trying to encourage them to change. Right. You could also now, again, if this, this only works if people actually care about you and respect what you have to say, but you could tell them that perhaps how they're, their current lifestyle concerns you as it relates to their health in the future. And, you know, if you're able to adopt some certain changes, perhaps that you've adopted yourself, that that would actually be, mean a lot to you and it would make you happy and less concerned about them. So that is how I would approach that, right? In a very like diplomatic way, genuine, you know, but you have to mean all that stuff. Otherwise, you, you know, you can't, you can't say it, right? So this is not going to work with some friend who like, you don't really care about. It's not going to work. It's like for people who actually you love and who are there for you. Right. So, and that's based on like some theories and some stages of change theory. And there's all sorts of other theories like that. I'm not an expert in all of them, but you know, it's all good. Yeah. Right. That is really interesting because it's a very, very touchy situation. I feel like, especially if you're trying, let's say that you exercise really frequently and like you eat really clean and you're just living an overall like relatively healthy life. And then sometimes you can, get into this scenario where if you're trying to help someone in a genuine way Mm. and they perceive it as, oh, this person thinks they're on some like healthy yoga nidra kick (laughs) thing and now they're just trying to change me to get on this bandwagon. There's nothing wrong with what I do. Those conversations can be really difficult to have. And so I think the advice of being really, really just open and honest about it and how it's like helped you and then trying to portray to them how the advice that you're giving them is out of love and it's not just you're trying to change them because you think that they need to change or something's wrong with them. Yeah. And and there's more levels to that too, right? Because you have to know who you're talking to. Like, you know, you can't use the same strategies of someone who has no interest in changing as you would of someone who's like coming to you for advice, right? So how ready are they to change? Okay. Because if you go in all in on someone who's not ready to change, you're just going to push them away from, from, from that. Right now, now it's like, I don't know what, let me, let me give an example. Like, let's just say I'm taking a walk with like my cousin. Right. And like, and I know I maybe, maybe I know they have like high cholesterol or something, you know, like there's a big difference between me just like giving unsolicited advice over cholesterol and then, and then asking me saying, you know what, you know what, Andy, I got this result in, you know, what does the science have to say about this? Okay. Then you can ask, answer the question. You know what I mean? So like, it depends, it depends a lot on who you're talking to. And like, I mean, look, if anyone's in this position, I encourage you guys to look up the stages of change theory, because it, it gives you a little bit of insight on how to interact with people, depending on how ready they are to change. You know what I mean? Because it's very different. Someone, you know, you guys probably know people who have zero interest. They don't want to hear about it. And all you can do in that case at minimum is lead by example. Maybe you sneak in some comments about how good you're feeling with your change, but you can't push them beyond that because they're not at that stage yet. Maybe with like that more um, passive approach, maybe they start to take interest. Oh, and you're looking, you know what I mean? Like, it, so there's layers, there's, there's layers to everything, right? Including, including that. So it depends who you're talking to. Um, that's very, very important to, to keep in mind and how close you are with them, of course. Right. Cause again, you have to, if there's no meaningful relationship there, it's less, likely that what you have to say is going to be taken at face value. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's a lot of valuable things like in this conversation that we have, we have talked about. And we were just talking about how to kind of help other family members, maybe trying to get them to change. And on the other side of things, there's definitely kind of like where, where we started here, where your family might be pressuring you, be like, oh, look at Mr. Salad over there. And then all of a sudden you kind of feel bad about your eating habits and it's affecting you personally or 
and you know, nutrition and, and health is a it's an interesting subject because it is so so delicate. You know, for for guys, for most guys, or at least for me, my goal, you know, if I'm trying to put on more muscle, if I'm trying to do X Y Z, and I go to a, a a family event, and somebody goes, "Oh, did you lose weight?" Well, to them that might be a compliment, but to me, it's like I'll rip my heart out. It's funny. It's funny because I'm I'm actually the same because I was very like. Like obviously I'm not a big guy right now, but I was like very, 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 very tiny when I was younger. So like that, if I heard that, ever heard that comment, that, yeah, that would destroy me. And that's the other side of things, right? You know what I mean? Like it goes both ways. So I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that hundred percent. Absolutely. So, you know, the important thing is one is, is knowing who you're talking to. Like you mentioned earlier, find yourself a dietitian because they know what they're talking about. And like we talked about where people have a low base of knowledge of nutrition, well, try your best not to let those people influence your nutrition habits. They don't know any better. You know, they're, they're not, they didn't mean it in a malicious way. They weren't, um, you know, they didn't say it in that way. Or if you're trying to get people to change, like Nick was saying about your family eating the junk food and eating pizza and trying to do whatever, well, they might just not know better. So I think for the security of yourself and living that healthy lifestyle, it's important to to get your nutrition information from a nutrition expert. Mm-hmm. It's important to to have a valid source that is affecting you know how you eat, how you live, and I also think that it's important to judge how you're feeling. Like you were talking about earlier, that was one of your tips: is just kind of assess how you're feeling while you're eating certain things or while you're doing nutrition changes. Because I think that's the most important part about all of this: is if you're eating healthy and you're happy about it, and you can tell you're feeling better, you have better energy, your mood is better. Then that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to. It's it's unique to everybody. You got to pick and choose and try different things and just assess how you're feeling. So through that same vein, then, you know, what are some, some pieces of advice for somebody that, that needs to get started? How can they try different things and how, how can they kind of, uh, make it more clear as to how they're feeling and if it's actually working these nutrition changes that they're making? Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things there. Uh, okay. So first of all, just a quick comment, like, look, like, yes, work with their, like a special dietitian. If that's an option, hundred percent next best thing, let's say economically, like that's not financial, on the table. Next best thing. These days, social media, YouTube, you could find a dietitian that like resonates with you and at least try and get something, some advice from what they're giving. Right. So like put that out there. That's fine. Now, in terms of someone getting started, and okay, so let me comment your thing. Like, I do agree generally, if a change you make improves your quality of life and you're very confident that it does, that's probably a good thing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it can be sometimes hard to determine what that is, but, you know, so, so some examples, like how does someone know if the changes they're making are, are doing that? I mean, you look at things like, I mean, look, not to be gross, like bowel movements are a good, are, are a good indicator, right? Most people, they change their diet in the short term, less constipation less, you know, like like going more regular. That makes a big, that makes a big difference. It's not fun going once every like three days. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not really the best thing ever, you know, usually improve digestive health, you know, better, you know, better sleep, better clarity, you know, skin can often, because the gut and skin are very connected. So skin can start looking better. Right. Um, Things like that. And then mentally, you know, mentally how you feel about what you're, about what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like you feel like, I mean, I guess, I guess like, do you feel like your actions are in line with your beliefs closer to in line with your beliefs? Like, do you believe what you're doing right now is what you want to be doing? Right. That helps as well. You know what I mean? If it feels out of alignment, you know what I mean? If it feels like it's a chore 
or like something feels way off, then maybe there's a missing piece there. And I don't know what that could be. That could mean a million different things for different people. Those are some things that I would look to as signs. You know what I mean? That's awesome. And what's super cool about all this stuff is really just the fact that how available information is in today's day and age. But that at the same time is a double-edged yeah. <laughs> sword. Exactly. And so I guess as information has become more prevalent through social media or just through just the fact that the internet is the internet, what are some things that we should keep in mind whenever experimenting with new diets or possibly like looking for different things that resonate with us? Because in my immediate thought kind of playing devil's advocate here a little bit is when people start trying to figure out the types of diets they want to try or the ways that they want to eat, a lot of times it can be really easy to think about, oh, the person who's advocating for this looks amazing and I want to look like that instead of saying, oh, this person just looks like a normal person, but like they have this health benefit and this health benefit and this health benefit. And these are things that I'm missing. And so it's really easy to get caught up in this whole, I want to look a certain way versus I need my body to actually function and be healthy. So what are some ways that or what are some red flags that we should keep in mind and like look out for when actively seeking information on this topic? Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough, right? Because there's a few different things there. I mean, yes, it's definitely human nature. Like if, if you see someone like, let's say, yes, who looks like what you want to look. Yeah. It's good. They may be more compelling, but you got to realize like, when I, this is, I tell my, my client, I tell my clients all the time, like, you know, and, and you guys, you, you know, if you, if you're like, you know, playing, you're playing like, you know, varsity level sports, like you've probably been putting in the work in that since you're like 12. So like, I tell my clients, like, you can't look at someone who's like a beast right now and like try and think that you're going to like, you know, you're going to get there in a year. They very likely has nothing to do with what they've been eating. It probably just cause they didn't put it, like they've been like putting in work on this stuff for like last 10, 15 years. So you have to be, like, you have to be, you have to kind of remain humble, like understand the situation and kind of do your thing and not like worry about that kind of stuff too, too much. And also realistically, like, I mean, you know, the, the overall quality of someone's diet and nutrition is not is like not like related, you know, to, to someone's outward appearance, someone could be, you know, someone could be a beast and eat very poorly, assuming they get like sufficient calories. Like you don't know if that person's like when the last time they went to the bathroom, if they're having like constipation all the time, was there any, any vegetables? Like, you know, you can eat potatoes and beef all the time. You know, good example is Brock Lesnar. You know, he had diverticula, diverticulitis because he wasn't eating any vegetables, but he's a beast, right? You guys know Brock Lesnar. He's a wrestler from Minnesota, UFC champ, WWE champ, whatever. You know, he's probably, that's a good example. You out, outwardly, you know, looks, look, looks flawless, but I mean, he's good now. I'm pretty sure like, he, he got his stuff right, but I don't know if you guys were aware he had, he had to like remove some of his intestines and stuff because it was messed up. So, and he says, yeah, I'm a, I was a beef and potatoes guy. And I passed on the greens and this is what happened. Right. Like not to use an example like that, but that's, that's a pretty prime example. You know what I mean? So nutrition is one thing, physical fitness, another thing. Yes. There's obviously crossover, right? Obviously. But I mean, they are pretty much separated. I tell my clients like, like, let's like, you know, the reality is, well, with physical activity, like some people exercise, some people don't, but everybody eats every day, right? So like, let's worry about that. And like, also what I say is like, you don't get healthy by what you don't, you get healthy by what you do. So essentially what that means is like, don't get caught up in what you're not going to eat because, and I'm going to tell you why, you know, if someone tells me they don't eat pizza and cookies, well, okay, cool. I don't know if I'm satisfied with your, your dietary pattern or not, but if you tell me that you eat vegetables, nuts, uh, lentils, you know, every day that I know independent of what else you eat, you're in a good position. Okay. 
So that's also very important. So it's much more useful to build positive habits than try and worry about like restricting yourself or breaking down old ones. Even if maybe certain habits, like perhaps smoking stuff, you'd be you'd benefit from kind of moving on from. It's much better to focus on what you're going to build, and it's easier to build new habits. You know what I mean? So now it's very easy to say it like that. That usually entails a lot of work for a lot of people, but that's ultimately the goal, right? So. That's good. Yeah. Along that same train of thought, a lot of our audience is young adult kind of college age students. And this is a time in your life when you're either first living alone by yourself and are responsible for what you eat, or you're just learning about all this stuff. And it's kind of seems overwhelming. Maybe you have a few friends who are vegetarian and you have a few friends who just nothing but beef and potatoes like Brock Lesnar. (laughs) (laughs) And Let's just say this person has stumbled across a whole bunch of good research or has possibly seen your Instagram page and is like, okay, I want to try this like healthy diet, like balanced approach to life. What do you think are five things or five foods that they should really try and incorporate into that diet and kind of why? Yeah. yeah, Okay. Well, so for me, there are five food groups that are are probably more important than the rest. So, so let's, since you asked for five, it works out pretty well. So I'll try and explain why each is on the group. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that everyone has to eat these foods. They may not like them, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. But so I'd say fish is probably gets its own food group. Reason why fish gets its own food group. It's the only food that has a large amount of vitamin D and a large amount of omega-3. Now, maybe you guys don't need to worry about vitamin D. I don't know about Oklahoma. Texas is probably pretty sunny. But like in Canada, you definitely got to worry about vitamin D. So fish that has vitamin D is very useful. Omega-3, same thing. So like Omega-3, yeah, there's flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds. They have the plant-based version, but the, the fish version, which is the EPA, DHA, which is the one that's studied a lot, that's really only found in fish or in supplements, right? So a food like fish, like, okay, a lot of people don't like fish. Fair enough. You take a vitamin D and omega-3 supplement. But if we're talking purely diet related, eating more fish, even something like sardines, it doesn't have to go be some wild caught expensive salmon. You're a college student, get some canned sardines. Sardines have like among the highest omega-3 content of any fish, right? So that's number one. Number two is legumes, lentils, chickpeas, kidney beans, black beans. Now, like legumes are really filling, which of all demographics that's probably the least important for a college student especially if like you're active because like you're younger you need to spend more energy so you don't you might not need foods that make you full but like why legumes are are on this list is because like you know so i think we can agree protein and fiber are both useful things right a lot of foods have protein a lot of foods have fiber legumes are the only food that has a large amount of both in the same place so they're very unique okay so there's like studies that show like lentils are as filling as red meat for a similar serving size okay so cool Right. And legumes also, by the way, obviously fiber, most people don't get enough fiber, right? But legumes are also high in potassium, magnesium, which are just nutrients that a lot of people don't get enough of. Okay. So that's also very important. Nuts and seeds are the next. And I also put avocado in the nuts and seeds group of foods because avocado, you know, cliche healthy fat, it's more similar to nuts and seeds than it is to like an apple. So I put it in that group. Nuts and seeds, like they contain those cliche, you know, those healthy fats that really aren't found elsewhere. And again, people who eat more nuts and seeds usually have better health, lower risk of diabetes, lower cholesterol. Okay. So nuts, seeds, avocado, get their own group. And then there's fruits and vegetables. I think it's pretty obvious, you know, why those two get their own group. So if you're having like four of the, if you can visualize it as follows, there's these five key food groups and don't get me wrong. There's other important foods, right? There's, there's pro there's like other, there's protein containing foods. There's starches. Those are important too. But if I have to pick five, I'm going to pick those. And, um, and yeah, if you can get as like at least one food from each of those groups, like, or four of those five food groups daily or close to that on, over an average of seven days, like you're going to be in a good position health-wise. Like I can get, almost guarantee it, right? Because if someone tells you they had broccoli, an apple, some lentils, some salmon, and then uh, some almonds, like you know, like they probably it's a pretty damn good day, right? So 
that's the criteria that I, I use anyway for myself. I've, I've kind of landed on this over kind of years of, of understanding like how people lead and, and what foods give the best health outcomes and so on and so forth. Nice. So I guess in this situation, why would you choose, or I guess, why would you not have any types of like traditional meats? Yeah. I mean, the number one reason why is because most people don't need those to be in a special group because they're already eating them. Ah, mm. okay, fair. I mean, like, yeah, right. Because no one needs to like, realize like, the vast majority of people they don't like need to be. They're gonna have chicken, beef, and eggs already, right? So that's not gonna represent a change. But statistically, they're much less likely to have those five, right? And again, I and again, like, if I if I had to make a second group, other protein sources would be in it. But because I just keep it the five, then I put it I put it as is, right? Gotcha. So those five things are are like the most important to basically add to your current diet if it's not there already. Exactly, because it takes into consideration what you're most likely to be eating, what you're most likely not to be eating, and also the unique benefits of foods, right? Because like, yeah, because if you compare, say, like, I don't know, if, if you compare sardines to chicken, they're like, and again, there's not chicken has a bunch of lean protein, yeah, has some iron, B12, but like what salmon has is vitamin D and omega-3, which is literally found in almost no other foods. So you like, there's like a unique value proposition with that, that make that like makes it worth going out of your way for if possible, Right. Listening to the way Andy was able to simplify nutrition and bring helpful tips in an easy-to-implement way was incredible. It's so easy to get caught up in all the science of nutrition and eating healthy and lose sight of the real goal, which is we want to make healthy eating habits and choices we can repeat for a long period of time. Make sure you tune in next week for part two of our conversation where we dive into whether you should be taking vitamins and which ones everyone should take how you can use your food to fuel your performance, Andy's five simple tips for living a healthy life, and so much more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you check out the podcast description for other similar episodes from The Quest. If you made it this far into the episode, I want to thank you on behalf of everyone here at The Quest. Your support means the world to us, and we strive every day to bring you the most value in these episodes possible. If you like this episode, if you've been enjoying the quest, let us know by leaving a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can DM us on Instagram your favorite part of the show and we will be sure to get back to you. I'll leave you with this quote from Josh Axe. Health is not about the weight you lose, but about the life you gain. Woof! And if someone hasn't told you this already today, you matter, you are loved, and you have so much potential. Now take action towards those dreams and get after it. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. If you found our message helpful or inspiring, make sure you tune in next week to continue on the quest with us. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment letting us know how you heard about us. And remember to get after it.